live ball turnovers, which is opponent steals, and particularly live ball turnovers above the free throw line lead to automatic baskets are problematic. We've gotten better at that because with transition defense, it's gotten better. We used to be a bottom 10 team. We're now a top 10 team transition defense. I heard the morning show was talking about turnovers. Call them tomorrow and tell them they're wrong. Have a great night. There's David Locke. He joins us now, the radio voice of the Utah Jazz. He doesn't join us now. Yak is still on the phone. Are you talking to David or is it ringing and he won't pick up? Because you, you played it. There's the powder keg right there. You lit the fuse. Now no answer. Well, great. He wants no part of you, man. No, he doesn't. And I've got a lot of things to say, but I don't want to say them until he's on the line. Then I just have to repeat myself. <laughs> he knows it was coming. I talked to him. Oh, I think he's looking forward right. to it. I think he loves this I stuff. Text him. I think he lives for this stuff. He's loving it. This will be like his favorite appearance in weeks. Call the morning show and tell, tell them they're wrong. Oh. I'm David Locke. I'm the authority. (laughs) (laughs) There's people on the team that might think we're wrong, too. I know. But you dig in your heels, man. I'm going to. I'm going to. Great. I like that even better. Finally. Ah. Anticipation. Sing that song. Wasn't it a catch-up commercial? Yes. David Ock's weekly interview is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. Good morning, DJ. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> you weren't on the air, but I just said he's looking forward to it. This is going to be his favorite appearance in weeks. Am I right? <laughs> well, I mean, I love talking to you guys every morning, so I mean, uh, that's okay. not any different. You know why? We I just mean, played the clip of you uh, telling people to call the morning show and tell us we're wrong. I, it, I, you know, I, I apologize. I heard I, the morning I, show was talking about turnovers. Call them tomorrow and tell them they're wrong. Have a great night. <laughs> <laughs> I've been informed that it was not the morning show. It was just David James. Yes. <laughs> Which you would know if know you listen to the show. I don't know. I don't know who informed me of that, but I've been informed. Oh, that was probably PK. Yeah. I have to say right here before we get into it, what you're doing here, I I am used to because you, you owe PK money. Pay the man. You are stealing his shtick. This is classic PK. You take a shred of truth. You make your own argument. You hit somebody else with it. After having defined the argument the way you want, and then you just step back and watch the smoke bellow. I, I mean, this is classic PK. Possibly do any. All right, so let me look. Oh, we're third in the NBA offensively. How do you feel about that? Feel pretty good. Feel better if they were first. So we're third best in shooting. Yes. How do you feel about that? Good. Okay. Good. Feel okay, good. Good. Okay. Keep going. You're making my argument um, for me. I'm loving this. San Antonio is 18th in the league offensively. How do you feel about that? Uh, I felt really good when the Jazz were beating the snot out of San Antonio for 96 minutes. Because <laughs> they don't. They they never turn the ball over. Yeah. 
Um, Oklahoma City is last in the league offensively. How do you feel about that? Awesome. So you don't want to be on either end of the spectrum on turnovers. Right. But being in the middle and being 19th, like we were 25th and 26th, that wasn't great. Like you kind of didn't want to be in on the either end of the spectrum. Um, and this year, interestingly, there is actually a higher correlation between super high turnover teams and bad offense. That actually has not always been the case this year, more so than before. That does seem to be the case. Um, we've got some pretty bad teams that are down there. It's interesting. Um, you know, the Lakers actually are the one that's most interesting. They turn it out. They're the third highest rate of turnover in the league. Their offense is only 23rd. Um, but they have not always been a great team this year. So maybe that's, you know, they haven't had great players on the floor all the time. Um, but the truth on this is you actually just, all data shows you want to be kind of in the middle of the world. You don't want to be on either end of the spectrum. Right. If you're on one end of the spectrum, you're probably very heavy isolation, not a lot of ball. And the easiest way to reduce the turnovers is not pass, right? That eliminates a big source of turnovers. If right. you were listening so, that morning, which you weren't, and that's part of the problem, is that you know you heard what you were told. Uh, I said, I trust. I, I mean, I trust my listeners to always give okay. me complete and full uh, You were. We were talking about the turnovers that I don't really care when they have 10 or 15 turnovers. But these games where they get to 18 or 20 turnovers, and you said a long time ago, and you're totally right about this, is that you know when you get three seconds in the key, when you get uh, traveling, when you get an offensive charge, it's a turnover, but you get to set your defense. You get Rudy Gobert back in the middle of the paint. You get everybody matched up. It's not as big a problem. But the live ball turnovers, especially above the free throw line, and when they get to 18 to 20 of them, they have them. And in some They've games in the 6 and 6 stretch. 18 or 20 live ball turnovers all year. Well, of course, when you have 18 or 20 in a game, it's a mix of offensive fouls, so travels, and favor. live ball turnovers. Then do me a favor. Don't talk about turnovers. Talk about opponent steals. Because you're you, I'll do you a favor. But Thank you. That's the, the number that matters. The 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 turnovers. We had, we had Joe point. Ingles on. Wait, wait, and can PK's, we make sure that everybody got that? What? The the number that matters is opponent a bonus, steals. Yes. When you turn the ball over in the game, they steal it, and they get to break two on one or three on two. Occasionally, like with the Kings. Rudy has a chance to get back, and it's two on two, and he looks at one guy, and that guy passes to the second guy, and the second guy looks at Rudy, and he passes to someone trailing, and they end up taking an 18-footer, which they actually made, so they scored in that possession. But Rudy was literally flexing and celebrating the paint like, none of you want any piece of me. <laughs> that, but that doesn't usually happen. Usually it's two on one, and it's a bucket. Well, our transition defense is actually not any different than our half-court defense. It's it's hard to blame the transition defense when the guys are behind the ball from the second it's turned over. Well, our transition defense is good when Rudy Gobert's back, and our half court defense is good, good. when Rudy, Rudy Gobert's back. But the problem with transition defense is that Rudy's probably rolled to the rim, and now they're going the other way. Quinn loses okay. it on the turnovers at practice. You know that because a long time ago you used to be at practices. You're not yeah. anymore. But Joe, unprompted by us, hit him with what Joe said this week when we were asking about something else, and, and he went to it. 
we've got little like sayings or jokes within the team. Coach comes up with some crazy ass name for like everything. There was one day that I'm assuming it was after we had like 30 turnovers and he was probably losing his mind and was 15 coffees deep at 5am and hadn't slept and he came in talking about throwing strikes. We'll be scripting through some offense, going through what we want to run for the next game. And if you don't throw a strike and it's a bad pass, coach is making that group go again and redo the whole play or set or whatever we're doing. Joe's not making stuff up. That was just on the money all the way. And that was because of a question not about turnovers, not live ball turnovers. That was a question about the number of his teammates that are now hitting his forehead with passes. His shooting pocket is now at his forehead. He's got this new quick release, and it's deadly. And he dropped that. I win, Locke! I win! (laughs) Well, but I actually think Quinn's touching on something very different. He's touching on live ball turnovers, even though... Joe says the no, 30 turnovers. No, I don't actually think he is. I really? Think he's talking about act- so the essence of this team is it's a catch-and-shoot team. And that's what makes us great. And the numbers on our catch-and-shoot are just astronomical. Like, it's just silly if you pull up our catch-and-shoot numbers, which I will in just a second. Um, and so what he's really talking about there is if you're being lazy with your passes and you're off the shooting pocket for your players, you're taking away our greatest strength. So our catch and shoot numbers from three, Joe Ingles, 51%, Donovan, 43%, George Niang, 43%. Remember, these all count for three, so just times them by, times them by three to get there. Like, if you think about them as twos, this is actually, we'll do this. We'll, well, here's the numbers if you think about them as twos, okay? Joe Ingles, 76%, Donovan, 64%, George, 64%, Mike Conley, 61%, Royce O'Neal, 59%, Boyan Bogdanovich, 58%, and Jordan Clarkson, 56% on catch and shoot threes. That's what our whole premise of our offense is based on. Early offense threes, late get in the blender, get the advantage, kick it. The minute you get an open look, shoot the flipping ball (laughs) and make it a good pass so that you shoot it. Don't bypass good looks. So there it is. Did you dump me and take me off the air? Where'd you go? No, I was just letting what you said. It was truth. I was letting it settle in. I was letting people absorb it. Let me, let me on this, on the data that we're talking about, because I, I, I do, I actually was having a great conversation with someone yesterday, and we were talking about how stupid the phrase advanced analytics is. And I was sharing that I've been criticized for a great deal of my career for the fact that I use these supposedly advanced metrics numbers and I said, what drives me crazy about that is my job is to tell a story, and the numbers that are out there don't tell, that are traditional, don't tell an accurate story. And so it, I don't know why we're criticized for trying to tell an accurate story. And these are not advanced analytics. In fact, there's no advanced anything that's being used. It's like we're not using algebra or calculus. Like it's division. So there's nothing advanced about it. All the arrogant little beeps that are out there that decide they want to act like they're a Poindexter smart because they got their butts kicked by athletes their whole lives and want to act like, I don't know why they're doing it. I'm just making this up. But, um, you know, and act like they're super smart. And so they called it advanced analytics, did a huge damage to it. The other number that's just a ridiculously bad number is points off turnovers. It needs to be points off steals. But... If we commit a three-second violation because Rudy's in the post or Rudy gets called for a travel or an offensive foul and we go set our defense, that is not a point off a turnover. Yeah, I can see your point. I can see your point. The website impredictable 
if you're interested, does a very good job with this and actually has taken it out and has live ball turnovers versus um, real turnover, dead ball turnovers. Unpredictable. I-N and then predictable. I think these live ball turnovers are going to be critical when they play a team. Let's say they play the Lakers and the Lakers are at reasonably full strength. Maybe LeBron's only 80% or whatever, but you get the point. You've talked about how great the Laker defense is and how hard it will be for the Jazz if they're not getting points in transition. If you're going against the Laker defense when it's set up, you're in trouble. They got length. They got a smart coach who's really invested in defense, and they're highly motivated. It's going to be a problem. And I just think the Jazz, if they are giving the Lakers free points with these live ball turnovers and sloppy passing and not throwing strikes, as Quinn says, then their odds of winning that series go right in the dumper. So, okay, I'm with you a little bit on this, but we're heading back into this realm that I think is a little funky. Uh, Sure, if we we can avoid live ball turnovers, that's great, but... The other part of what we do is we get catch-and-shoot threes. We just talked about it. How do you get catch-and-shoot threes? Pass the ball. Drive into traffic, move the ball, swing it around. How do you turn it over? Drive the ball into traffic, pass the ball, swing it around. Right. So, like, we can get rid of the live ball turnovers, and we could just be horse crap, too. But the point is to be the to to beat the Lakers and to get to the conference finals, we'll the NBA the finals, and win it all. You're going to have to be great. Yeah, right. You're going to have to take the risk and get the reward, and you're going to have to you're going to have to win way more of those little battles than you lose. Okay. And there what are times the live ball turnovers of opposing. What percentage of opposing possessions do you think are live ball turnovers? I have no idea what you just said, let alone be able to figure out the answer. <laughs> so, what percentage? Of opponents' possessions, do you think are coming off a live ball turnover? A very small number. Eight percent. Right, but you're the one who told us if, if if a team gets five of those in a game and gets ten free points, you're probably sunk. Right. And yeah, in this okay. stretch, when the Jazz went six and six, a couple of those games, that's exactly why they lost. I was watching the game, sitting home watching the game, and your voice was ringing in my head. This is that, I mean, exactly what Locke was talking about. It's a fatal about. turnover. It's above the break turnover. Yep. Certainly. But, like, let's also get – do you want to know the team that has the lowest live ball turnover rate in the league? Well, yet I don't care about them. <laughs> I just don't. Because I watch the Jazz and all the stuff you've said they're good at. There aren't that many ways to beat the Jazz. These guys have only been beaten 18 times this year, and some of them are scheduled. The league gives you nine road games in a 10-game stretch. You're going to drop some games. If you lose two of your three All-Stars for a stretch of games, you're going to drop some games. right? Hey, so there aren't that many ways to beat the Jazz. Here's what's bothering me about this conversation. Yeah. Here's what's bothering me about this conversation. It's a neat conversation to say, well, we've got to stop our live ball turnovers. Sure, we do. Mm-hmm. But, like, pragmatically, how are you doing that? Well, without Quinn is. reducing who we are as a team. Quinn's been asked. And losing this. all of our strengths. Quinn's been asked this multiple times. I've seen him say it multiple times. He says, it's as simple as don't throw the ball to the guy on the other team because some of these turnovers have been horrifically soft. Literally, there's a guy standing in the passing lane and somebody throws the ball, and multiple players have been guilty of it. Right, right up to Donovan, who's obviously the best player on the team and driving the offense. 
you know, Rudy drives the defense, but he drives the offense. And it was, I don't know if it was in Washington or when they played Toronto and Tampa. He had the ball in the backcourt and threw a 40-foot pass right to a guy. And sometimes the camera catches Quinn, and he's just like looking at the floor. It's a Lavelle Edwards, I'm looking at the floor because I don't want everybody to see what is written all over my face. It's not productive. So I feel like the guy who does it more than anyone else Mm -hmm. is Joe. He drives the lane, he gets caught in the air, the pass out to the corner is not available because they've sagged down, he can't get it to Rudy, he's in the air, and he tries to hook it back out up top, it gets yeah. intercepted the other way. Joe is also a top 10 in the NBA pick and roll player. Like, I just, am a, I, I understand what everyone's saying, and I'm not saying they don't matter, and I'm saying, you, and I'm not saying, like, you don't want to be on the fringes, mm-hmm. but I think they have to be looked at as an ingredient in the pie and the pie right now has us as the third best offensive team in the league and as Joe is one of the top 10 pick and roll players in the league like Jordan Clarkson doesn't turn it over he also doesn't pass uh, you know he's up to averaging four assists a game I'm over saying seven it games. with a little tongue in cheek yeah like, no but he's changing PK PK demanded on the radio one morning and literally it happened it was the freakiest no, he went, thing. He went too far, and he circled back. He's great. He's a great <laughs> teammate. Like he's, I mean, like he's one. He's a truly awesome teammate, and so he's very aware of people around him, and he's just an incredible human. Like just how interesting he is, and so he's not a jerk. And so yeah, he went too far for a little while during the stretch of the season, and he's brought it back. Good for him. Like uh, I really was fully tongue in cheek there, trying to like lighten the conversation a little bit, but I just think that that's like we just have to look at. Live ball turnovers are not good, but like there's butter in my chicken pot pie, and that's not good for me either. <laughs> and it, but my chicken pot pie is freaking great. I've never been a chicken pot pie And our offense is a chicken pot pie that is awesome. All right, PK, we beat this into the ground. What do you want to know other than this? I hope you've enjoyed this. <laughs> yeah, this just you were looking uh, forward to it. I don't want to disappoint you. You, you two guys, man, can just go around and around. My head's spinning. Uh, and, and I've been having some internal conflict myself with this number one seed because I thought, well, two with health doesn't matter, blah, blah, blah. But now I've, I keep going back and forth. As of right now today, I think the number one seed really matters. What do you think? Oh, I think it changed last night. I think it became wildly important. Which because, is why I went as of today. Yeah, I mean, I think the chances, you know, it's not set and a lot can change. But the most likely scenario, well, it's become all, almost impossible if the Lakers are the five seed. Right. Agreed. It's going to okay. be the Mavs. Right. So the Mavs are the five seed. Yeah. Now, whether we really want to play Luka over the Lakers right now, I actually think it's semi-debatable. Like, I, I'm actually moving toward, at some point, a team that has just not played together and not been healthy all year long just does not click back in. Like, they're, the Lakers, are, I feel like they're actually teasing me just far enough to make me believe. Like, you know, I asked the Lakers to the prom, and they actually, you know, I think probably maybe. And now I'm believing that that's a yes. Um, because I think that, like, they, it's just, like, when AD went out last night, I was just like, okay, like, it's just. And then the weird quote by Frank Vogel after the game, and it just feels like there's just, an, and their locker room quotes of four nights before were really bad. It just feels like and Andre Drummond's not good. And, like, 
you know, I think there's just enough there that I'm actually beginning to think, you know what, part of the reason the Lakers are going to be sixth or seventh is because right now they're actually the sixth or seventh best team. Now they get LeBron and AD back, and they're all healthy, and everything's perfect and copacetic like it was last year, and that changes. But I'm not totally convinced that that, that actually happens. So I think, you know, I'm not sure I'd love playing Luke either. But, my, but yes, I think what is clear here is that all of a sudden it's clear the Lakers are not going to be five if the Jazz win tonight then the Clippers most likely become three. like Or it increases the Clippers' chances of being three. And now all of a sudden, if you're one, the Lakers and Clippers are sitting in the other side of the bracket. Whether they're sitting at 3-6 or 3-7 is not clear, but they're sitting on the other side of the bracket. And you- now you're playing the winner of Denver-Dallas in the second round, which you, if you're the number one seed and legit, you should be. Do you think the Jazz are clearly better than the Denver Nuggets without Jamal Murray? Do we have Donovan and Mike Conley? Uh, man, by the second round, I assume so. Uh, for the purposes of this, let's just say yes. Whether it happens or not, yeah, let's just say I, yes. I think they're after they have two of the top ten best offensive players on their roster right now. In Jokic and Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter Jr. is Clay Thompson in Kevin Durant's body and is incredible. I think only having two of them as a series develops, is going to be problematic for them. Um, I do think, I mean, Jokic is so great. If you can find a way to reduce Jokic's playmaking for others to some extent while they're, while those players are limited, you, over a course of a series, the Jazz could win that series. Um, in other words, Jokic makes everyone else so much better than they actually are because he's that special that if you can eliminate that aspect and make those guys just be who they are, I think you're better off. You have a chance. All right, there it is. We will yeah, leave I, mean, I would think I would comfortably take the Jazz healthy over the Nuggets and the Mavericks in a seven-game series more so than maybe any of the other playoff teams. The Mavericks is not easy, though. Chris Depp pulls Rudy out. Dorian Finney-Smith is making his threes. And Luka is, you know, the second-best offensive player in the NBA. Maybe third. Maybe fourth. <laughs> Man, the league is loaded right now. The league is loaded with offensive players. I was <laughs> so trying to figure great. out, hmm, I wonder who he's ruling out immediately. Uh, well, here. one is Jokic. And so then Durant is two, and Steph is three, and then Luka's by four. And now you've just given LeBron some serious bulletin board material if he gets healthy. He's not the same. Like, he's incredible, <laughs> and he was amazing in the playoffs, but he's 36. Like, he's not the same. He's great, but he's not the same. He's not like 29-year-old LeBron right now, let's be honest. Kawhi Leonard is the one I gave bulletin board material to. He's David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. He joins us every week. He's got games tonight, Jazz Nuggets, and tomorrow night, Jazz Rockets, right here on the Zone Sports Network. 7 o'clock tonight, 8 o'clock tomorrow. David, thank you very much, and we will talk to you next week. Opponent steals. (laughs) Quinn's losing his mind. 30 turnovers, no sleep, 15 cups of coffee. (laughs) (laughs) All true, by the way. See ya.